Good morning, and welcome to Ask Ellie Intuitive Insights and Your Questions Answered. Today is May 4th. I'm almost going to have to do this joke. May the 4th be with you. Ha ha. Well, I did it. <laughs> and not only that, but this is a great day today with Mars sextile Uranus. And so this will bring out innovative and expensive experimental and independent side of you. And if you're working on an artistic or a scientific project, you can forge brilliant breakthroughs right now. This is an excellent, excellent time to um, get working on these projects. Anyway, um, I wish everyone a happy Mother's Day coming up this week and another exciting day that we want to mark on our astrological calendar is Tuesday, the 10th of May. This is when Jupiter enters Aries, and it hasn't been in Aries since June of 2010. Uh, so Aries is an energetic, optimistic fire sign. It's known to favor self-starting entrepreneurs. And Jerry, Jerry, Jupiter will remain in Aries until October 28th. And so then it's going to go into Pisces. But bottom line is, it's going to be in Aries for quite some time. You want to use this wonderful energy. And today, I have a very, very fun guest with us. Um, Betsy Chassie. Good morning, Betsy. I think you are here with us. Is that true? I, I think so. Can yeah, you, hear you me? are. Yes. Oh, I did it. Wow. <laughs> Girl, I knew you were going to do it. Okay. <laughs> Given your bio, you had to do this. Okay. <laughs> Look, I, it looks really good on paper, but when it comes to hitting buttons and launching things, usually I have to call one of my children, but I, I was able to make it work today. So oh, I am so happy. And not only am I, I'm really grateful that you're on at this hour. Uh, Betsy's in California. This is still time for coffee for many people out there. So I'm very. Oh, I'm still um, having my coffee. Uh, great. <laughs> I'm still doing the coffee. I'm, I'm really so am I, <laughs> even though it's yeah. ten o'clock. So I do appreciate you getting uh being on this call at this hour. Uh, for those of you who may not know Betsy, I'm going to just read a little bit about her. Uh, she's Betsy is an award-winning filmmaker, best-selling author, change maker, and mom. She's probably best known right now um, as the co-writer, director, and producer of the hit film, What the Bleep Do We Know? Uh, soon, well, actually it's released, Blissed Up, The Energy, The Ultimate Healer five-part docuseries is up and running, I believe. I saw part of it on YouTube, so we'll talk about that. Betsy's also produced the award-winning Song of the New Earth, Pregnant in America, Radical Dating, and The Empty Womb. And she's authored multiple books, including Killing Buddha, the documentary filmmaking masterclass, Tipping Sacred Cows, and What the Bleep Do We Know? Discovering the endless possibilities to altering your everyday reality. In addition to several best-selling self-help compilation books, she enjoys consulting with multiple clients to develop multimedia content for worldwide distribution. And she's currently in production on the Galileo Project and Killing Buddha, the series. And we're going to talk about the energy. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, Betsy. Uh, I do want to talk Ooh. about Bliss Up, and I want to talk about the Galileo Project and Killing Buddha. But I'm going to let you take it 
first and just share with us anything that I might have missed. And then we can ask uh, questions and take it from there. Okay, cool. I don't think you missed anything. I, you nailed it. Um, I have two amazing kids. I'm usually up at this hour anyway, because I'm usually getting kids off to school, but uh, Wednesday they start late. So Um, we have this time together, but yeah, you got it. That's all the things I'm up to right now, which is super exciting. I got to hang out with you and interview and do a sequence with you for my series um, for the Galileo project, which, which was super fun. And uh, you found my you found my executive producer's cat for us, which is amazing. So you know, <laughs> yeah. can you do? Can uh, uh, there's so many stories right there in how we reconnect. <laughs> Betsy and I know each other from 2008. We met through coincidental circumstances, synchronicities, and we've we've um, been in contact all these years. And I'm also quite honored personally to say that I do have a chapter in a compilation that was with Betsy back in 2017 called Dancing in the Unknown. And so that yeah. was that was fun, too. Um, Betsy, talk. let's talk really quickly about the cat, okay? And then we'll talk okay. about the Galileo Project <laughs> and we'll go talk about energy. But, yeah. but the cat is really the important thing because um, <laughs> it was hilarious. It was so funny. Um, I was interviewed, you were doing a sequence with me for my series, The Galileo Project, which is a really fun project, which will, I mean, I can share a little bit about it now. Basically, it's a series, it's a series where most people may or may not know that Galileo, um, you know, spent the last eight years of his life. He was called a heretic because he said that the earth is not the center of the universe. And he was looking through telescopes and kind of going against what the church wanted everybody to believe. Um, nothing, nothing different than what's going on now, by the way. Um, uh, so what we're doing in this series is we're going out and finding modern day Galileos, people that are, that are doing amazing research on all sorts of different things that could radically change the way everybody interacts with this world. And one of them was in, you know, human abilities, like psychic abilities, like um, telekinesis. And so I came, I, when I was thinking what we're doing with this series is we're interviewing really cool scientists, but we're also going to everyday real people that do these kinds of things like you, you know, with your psychic abilities. And we wanted to, you know, it, so people get to see in the series that it isn't just some weird thing in a lab or it isn't some wacky person. Like they're, you know, we all can have psychic abilities and we have a wonderful host. Her name is Heather and you were teaching Heather how to tap into some of her psychic abilities. Um, and so we were filming this and I got a text in the midst of it all <laughs> randomly from my executive producer saying, my girlfriend's cat is missing. And so I just said to you, like almost as a joke, oh, my my financer, my, my executive producer's cat is missing. And I don't know, you just sat right down. You were like, well... <laughs> here's what's going on with the cat. And you said the cat is with the man, this man or this man or a child is feeding the cat and the cat's fine. And I got to remember, I want to remember what you said, because you said, say this sentence and the cat will come back and show you that it's okay. But what was the word that you said? Like you said, I now ordain the cat returns. Yes, Mm -hmm. that was it. It was so, so I texted him back and I said, look, the cat is fine. Someone is feeding the cat because either with them go mm-hmm. out and say, I ordain the cat to return. And then the cat's going to come back. And mm-hmm. literally the next day, 
he calls me up and he goes, my, the cat came back. He just came sauntering up like nobody's business. And I realized when you said to me that there's a man taking care of the cat, I'm the man taking care of the cat. <laughs> it was perfect. It was so funny. So there you go. And I'm going to put that in the series. I'm oh, totally really? Use that because it's funny and it's true. Like you, there was, what was so beautiful about what you did, Ellie, was like, there was not even a second, like, oh, gee, what are we going to do? And how are we going to, if you just sat down and within seconds, you tapped into the cat. It was brilliant. <laughs> it was, it was the best example of how psychic abilities, how, how it's possible than I could ever recreate in some sort of skit or anything. It was perfect. Oh, thank you. It was fun too. The cat's name is Snowball. And I really got like, I just, the thing that really um, came first was to let him know that the cat was safe. That was the biggest thing because, you know, cats disappear and then they get run over, et cetera, et cetera. But I right. definitely got the cat was alive. The cat was being taken care of. The cat was just with somebody else and that the cat was going to return. So to help it along, we often ordain. I mean, I had dogs come back. I work with a case where the dog was had been kidnapped and oh. was m missing for two weeks before they finally found him. And again, they did the ordaining and the dog was returned to them through the strangest circumstances. You know, this is how it works. But is yeah. that really important? I'm, now I'm going to interview you because I'm curious about that because you were so specific about that word ordained. And, and, you know, we always hear these sayings, you know, spelling is casting spells and like, is it really important when I'm practicing to use language like that to really, cause it was so powerful and specific. And I think it really did set him in the intention of like, it was, it, it really grounded him in it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do. And that's why I use the word ordain very reverently and for really important things not trivial things oh i now ordain you know uh, the, i don't know something anything right um but when it's something serious for, um and it's an intention that i really want to have or a healing or anything that is important to me i use the word ordain and within seconds sometimes depending on what it is things um take care of themselves like just this morning, this is silly, but it, it happened. For some strange reason, my car alarm went off this morning while I was in the car. And I oh my goodness, pushed buttons and I couldn't get it to stop. I'm in the car. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really think I hadn't done anything wrong. It was, you know, went through every motion just the way I always do. And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to stop. I'm going to ordain this this alarm now goes off. And I said, I now ordain this alarm goes off. And just like that, Betsy, no joke, alarm went off. I have no idea what caused it to go on. But you know, then, mm -hmm. That's the thing that's so powerful. So I did this series that you can watch now on YouTube. It's called, it's on the YouTube channel is mm -hmm. called List Up Now. And it's called Energy, the Ultimate Healer. And <clears throat> excuse me, what they, what we find out in this series is that you know, people think of energy healing as some weird woo-woo out mm -hmm. there, you know, mm -hmm. wackadoodle thing. It's actually very science. Science has proven what it is. And so when you say ordained, it's, and you get into that frequency and that's what it is. You align into a frequency mm -hmm. and that when you get there, you can do these things. You can shift energy. You can heal your body. You can find a cat. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very specific thing. 
what scientists are thinking, there's a couple of theories around it. One of them is that the Earth has this frequency called the Schumann resonance, mm -hmm. which is um, a certain, I can't remember the hertz, but it's a certain frequency. It's the same frequency that your body should be at for ultimate health, by the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's the same frequency that when you get into that frequency, they call it coherence. Right. And when you get into that coherent frequency, quote, magic can happen. And that's just, just the way the science, that's we, we go in the series, we go through and explain how all of this really works from a scientific perspective. Just to, you know, to take some of that, that taboo away from the stuff, to take away the like, this isn't weird, here's how, it, this is what science will tell you about it, and here's how it happens, and here's what you can do. Because the, the trick here is any good energy healer will tell you, I'm not healing you. I'm just helping you get into the right frequency so your body can do what it naturally does, which is heal. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I'm, I started watching. Um, it's it's fascinating. And uh, can you tell us some of the? I mean, I know this. There's a, it, I know it's five parts. There's a lot to it. But can you yeah. pick out one particular? um ex let's say experience that even blew you you know how there's always stuff that still yeah. blows us away even though right we, we understand but was there a particular experience that you had doing this uh docuseries that really blew you away well one of the things that fascinates me personally is the sort of merging between the ancient wisdom and new technology you know i mean mm -hmm. i think that's what's exciting about what science can do when science is allowed to explore these very should be what should be common things like psychic abilities telekinesis energy healing when science really goes at it from a very scientific perspective and does the research really cool things come about from it and one of the things that um I got to do personally was there's this uh, wonderful doctor. Her name is Dr. Ann Baldwin. She um, is, uh, I think she's retired now as a professor at the University of Arizona, very well-respected woman, great scientist. She um, teaches Reiki now to medical professionals. Mm -hmm. Reiki is now being used in hospitals all around the world. And even in the U S the U S is always, almost always one of the last places to adopt these kinds of things. But um, she had this machine called the BioWell. What happens, we, we're always uh, emitting from our bodies electrons and protons, right? Mm -hmm, they're always mm -hmm. coming off us. So she, she, I, she has this little machine. You put your fingers. So each one of your fingers is attached, is connected to a meridian on your body. So typically, if you have some, if, if the electrons or protons are weaker in one finger, it will show the medical professional, okay, there might be an issue within that area. So what you do is you put your fingers, they take a little measurement of each one of your fingers, they put it up. And what they put up on the screen, it comes out looking like an aura. Scientists don't like to call it aura. They like to call it a biofield because it has to have a cool science name. So they, they say, we say aura, they say biofield, but it's, it's basically the same thing. Um, and so it, it takes a measurement of what your biofield should be looking like. And typically your biofield should should not have any breaks in it it should be a complete solid circle not really it's not an exact circle but it should be kind of solid around you and at the time that i did this with her i had gone to my doctor and i had had some thyroid issues and so <clears throat> i didn't tell and dr ann any of this she does the measurement the the reading comes up 
and it literally has a break right at my thyroid. And I just was blown away by that in and of itself, because think about it. Mm -hmm. I had to go to a doctor like six times and run all these different tests just for them to figure out, oh, you might be having a thyroid issue. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. imagine if the medical profession could just adopt a, a tool like this. Mm-hmm, it would mm-hmm. radically change diagnosis, right? It mm-hmm, would make diagnosis mm-hmm. so much easier, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the interesting thing was after, so she said, oh, okay. So she did like 10 minutes of Reiki on my thyroid. Mm-hmm, we did mm-hmm. the measurement again. And then the we did the measurement again and the break was gone. And the interesting thing is I had gone back to my doctor after I got back to LA. Mm -hmm. I also, by the way, because he wanted to put me on that really serious thyroid medicine. And I was like, give me 30 days. I had also gone to um, a Chinese herbalist and he gave me some herbs. When I went back to the doctor, he said, you know what? It's obvious. We must have had a false test because it's not, I mean, you still have a little bit, but it's nothing is really what it was. So it must've been a false, false test. And I was like, no, it wasn't a false test. It was my Reiki session and the herbs that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating when that's what the doctors immediately default to, right? But mm-hmm. but if we had to, when we when we have tools like this at our at our you know fingertips, literally, this is something that can radically change the medical profession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And even you know, this is a little bit on a tangent, but now that we're talking about healing and um, even I'm going to call it self-healing too, in many ways, because you went to the Chinese um, herbologist. Um, This reminds me of something that, that happened. I got to just share this story because that's what we do. We share stories. When I I used to be a very heavy smoker, I started, I started smoking very early in my life and uh, then at the last, the, when I was really getting into, like at the real, towards the end when I was smoking Galois, filterless French cigarettes, it was really bad. And I started coughing and I had pneumonia a lot. So I went to the doctor and they did a chest x-ray and they found a black spot on my lung. And he said, you know, you got a black spot on your lung over here and I'm going to suggest that you stop smoking. And this is scary for us. We, no, he didn't use the word scary. He goes, I'm a little concerned about this this black spot here. And so I'd like you to come back and I want to go in and take a look at this deeper and see what is going on. Well, when he told me that on the way home, uh, <laughs> I, I was still smoking. And then at that moment in time, I said, okay, I'm not going to have this. I'm going to heal myself. And so I started doing creative visualization every single day and removing the black spot from my lungs. Also, I stopped smoking. That helped tremendously. But I worked on visually removing the black spots so that when I looked at my lungs, they were totally clear and clean and my lungs were clear and clean. And then I went back a few weeks later for the second uh, x-ray and there was nothing on my lungs. And then he said to me, well, it looks like we had a false reading and that's really great, you know, so go have a good life. Glad you stopped smoking. <laughs> it's interesting because that's, we interviewed for the Galileo project, Bernie Siegel, Dr. Yeah. Bernie Siegel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's um, probably 90 now or somewhere up there. Uh, but, you know, he started doing exactly what you said way back in the 70s. He mm-hmm. would tell his patients, you know, 
to do visualization, to do meditation, to do go change their life. Like he would say, quit your job. And he was constantly referred to as the crazy Dr. Love. Like the, the New York magazine had him on the cover once and they called him the controversial doctor of love. Mm-hmm. And he was, people would just like think, oh, there was Dr. Bernie. He's crazy. However, his patients always did better. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes he would say to the patient, you know what, let's visualize all this while you're doing chemo. And mm-hmm. sometimes he would say to the patient, you know, maybe we should not do chemo. So he was never anti-Western medicine. You know, he was mm-hmm. just what is going to work best mm-hmm. for this person to help mm-hmm. heal their body? Because that's what our bodies do. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are natural. That's what they're supposed to do. And he he did years and years of research on this. And, and now, you know, you go into cancer um, treatment centers and they have visualization, they have meditation, they have Reiki, they have all these things that at once were considered, you know, completely nuts to do. Right. And, and it's interest. That's what interests me. It's like, okay, now we've, we know meditation works. We know that simple, you know, simply sitting and getting quiet changes your physiology. It's not just some, oh, it makes you feel better because you're silent, it literally changes the physiology in your body. Mm-hmm. So we know that to be true. That's science. So now what's the next level we can take that to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this brings me to another question. Um, this is something that I'm, I focus a lot on. People who are open to this work, people like who would go to Bernie or who are going to be watching the documentary and listening, they're open to this work. What about, what about the rest of the, you know, let's call it the, you know, I don't want to use the word 3D, but I did. I threw it out there. I used a third dimensional <laughs> word. I used it. Only seriously, what about people who still do not believe that their thoughts have an influence on the emotions and the chemicals of their body? You know, and for them to believe that, that for them to even understand, believe is really, it comes down to believing, despite yeah. what the medical profession is showing, for them to believe that this is real is so difficult. Thoughts on that? Well, that's because of our programming. I mean, and mm-hmm. that's because of the dogma. I mean, mm-hmm. we have dogma in the church and we have dogma in science. And, you know, I've always been a big, excuse me for getting radical, but, you know, part of our problem is that we have a for-profit medical system, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. when it, when it, when it becomes readily available, when people start to realize, wait a minute, I have some say in how I heal my body. I have some say, I don't necessarily have to take that drug. I can do this meditation technique and get the same result. Mm-hmm. It's a problem for mm-hmm. big pharma because mm-hmm. that means it's very difficult to monetize, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so the paradigm really pushes you know, the, the, the for-profit paradigm that we're in pushes that to the side. That's why I'm doing my series. And what I hope when I do the work that I do and why I do what I do is that, you know, some person might watch this energy healing series or the Galileo project when it comes out next year. And, and it might shift the needle just a little bit for them because all we need is to continually move or open people's mind just a little bit. And that shifts, that really does bring more people into coherence. So mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they don't have to dive off the cliff. Right. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. why the series that I did on energy healing, isn't 
super sensationalized. I mean, we do have stories in there of miraculous healing. There are there are a few really amazing stories of people that did amazing things mm-hmm, like you did. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's also everyday people. We take we follow four healers and four clients who go through the process with an energy healer. And some they some of them don't have radical changes. They have very small shifts, but those small shifts sort of begin to snowball into mm-hmm. bigger shifts. And it, it, it's like the idea is, you know, look, give them, give the audience some information, ground it in science, ground it in sort of rational language, and then give them the chance to just think about it a little more. And even just that small opening changes our whole world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this has been, if I can put words in your mouth, I don't know if this is true. It sort of feels as this has been your mission since I first met you. And before I met you, when you were doing what the bleep. Um, yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm, right. Because, this is, because yeah. that's what, I don't know. That's what I like doing. I like being able to, to help people, especially skeptics, because I'm a skeptic mm-hmm. at, my, at heart. I'm always really skeptical. I'm always very much you know, the person that goes, well, let's wait a second. You know, I'm the first person to tell people, be careful who you engage with in terms of psychics, mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. energy healers, because there's, there is a lot of bull mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people making radically ridiculous claims that just aren't true. So that does a disservice as well. You know, one of the things that I always look at is anybody who's super fundamentalist on any side isn't helping. You know, any, to me, anybody who's like an anti, you know, big pharma and anti that, like it's so radicalized in that direction, they're actually causing harm as well because they're, Mm -hmm. they're not putting forth full, you know, thought, thoughtful information either. And when I talk to the people that I talk to, who are people like you, you know, you're not just some, you know, you know what you're talking about we look they want to see an integration you know it's time for an integration between the west and you know the the spiritual it's time for an integration like for instance this particular tool that dr ann showed me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. this is taking mm-hmm. ancient wisdom mm-hmm. putting it into a piece of technology and then putting it into the hands of a doctor who mm-hmm. then can say you know what you really do need this medicine or guess yeah. what we can do this without medicine that's what I want to see happening because the truth is, you know, I have two C-sections. My babies wouldn't be 18 mm-hmm. and 14 and a half without medical, you know, without medical mm-hmm. intervention. Mm-hmm. So we have to come to that integration piece, you know, yeah, it doesn't have to be so us and them. And that's part of the reason we get these people that don't want to buy into this is because we're constantly putting them as, oh, they're bad. They're stupid. They don't know. Did they just believe their doctor? And we have to get away from that kind of communication in that language. Mm-hmm. I agree. Totally, totally agree. I mean, there's a place it, it needs to be integrated at this point. I mean, Western medicine um, it has been so phenomenal in saving people's lives that we just can't dismiss it. I mean, really, I wouldn't have had three kids either without Western medicine. Uh huh. Um, but but the mm-hmm. thing is, for me, it's like, I always try to shift the conversation away from creating a villain. Part of human humans love a villain. We always want to mm-hmm. find the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And so I always try to shift it away from blame on one side and looking and go, well, if you really want to look at it, it's our entire construct, which is designed around monetization. And until we're really willing as a species to step up and say, we need to shift away from monetization and into compassion, 
it's not it's going to be very difficult this is a, this is an uphill battle no matter which way you face it because mm-hmm. that's a radical change in our entire consciousness. Our whole paradigm has to change from monetization to compassion. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I and and I believe it can be done through education and uh, yep. shift in and then again through language shifting shifting our language and uh, educating. That's all that we can continue to do is rally for the cause, shift our language, and continue educating. Well, like what you do with the kids. I mean, I'm, we have kids that are about the same age. I look at these kids and they don't have most of the hangups that we have. Now, not every kid in the world is like this, but the more like the work that you're doing with the little kids, you're continuing to keep their minds open longer, right? Helping Mm -hmm. them keep remembering what's possible for them. And, you know, even though my daughter's 18 and she lives in this world and this reality and she wants to buy a car and she wants to have a house and all that stuff she there's still a piece of her that remembers that these little gifts that we gave her when she was little Mm -hmm. so she Mm -hmm. has a different she doesn't look at the world in the way that our generation does and that's going to bring about a huge change because the more these generations coming up they're looking at this stuff going why are we doing it like that that doesn't make any sense and why Mm -hmm. is you know so it's, it's also, there's a funny uh, quote by Max Planck. He says, science evolves one funeral at a time. Um, <laughs> right? a I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't hear that one. That's great. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's true because the old guard has to die out. And it's, mm-hmm. a, it's not a very fluffy, light way of thinking of it. But, you know, our older generations have to let go and move on so mm-hmm. the younger ones can come in. And, and when that starts to happen, I, I think we'll see much more of this kind of thinking it's just every day mm-hmm. i mean i i i know like um I, I know from my youngest son um who has gone through i'm going to call it this training and not just the training the actual physical training um of remote viewing and um telepathy but that he's also gone through the language aspect of it, you know, understanding that thought creates that our language and our thought go together so that when we're speaking, we have to be extremely mindful of what we're saying, the brain and understanding how the brain, you know, doesn't get that. It's we're joking around. Oh, I'm broke. I'm broke. You know, brain. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm broke. And now I'm going to show that to you in physical circumstances. And so, What happened for my youngest son who went through this training is that he is very, very conscious of the words that he uses, what he's speaking, and how he goes about intentionally focusing um, on his current reality so that the current reality and what he's focusing on then will give him the future because we know that to be true also. You know, our thoughts currently, the thoughts that we're thinking right now and the words that we're speaking and the stuff that we're saying, well, that's going to be our future in a couple of, um, that's going to be the next reality. Those are the circumstances that we will engage in. So, you know, I think the more awareness that we have around that, um, the more we'll see change also. So, uh, well, it's just skill sets. Exactly. It's It's just, I mean, like what I was really happy when my son, I remember he was in fifth grade they started doing what they called mindset training, Mm -hmm. right? And I looked at it and knew 
it to be, oh, that's just them teaching them how their thoughts affect the reality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they, they didn't want to say that, right? They mm -hmm. can't, it's like, they don't want to call yoga, yoga. They, in places they call it stretch classes, right? Because mm -hmm. people get really weirded out. It's like using the word God. I always think it's funny because spiritual people will talk, talk about the universe, right? Mm -hmm. And religious people will talk about God, but the God people will get you know, triggered when the universe people say universe and the universe people will get triggered when <laughs> the God people say God, but we're all actually talking about the exact same thing. Uh -huh. uh, you know, we really, uh -huh. it, you know, we don't call it, I call it Bob, by the way, my, you know, my, that's what my, prefer, I refer to it as Bob. I just say Bob <laughs> and my children. Now it's very funny when we're out and like, we'll get a great parking space or something good will happen. My son will literally look at me and go, Bob is spot on today, isn't he? And I'm like, yep, <laughs> he's rocking it. You know, I mean, because it's so, it, 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 because we put so much onto some of these things that are external, that we make them external, mm -hmm. right? It's not an external thing. We are Bob. We are yeah. God. We are consciousness. We are the universe. And when you, when you start to really help people see it from that perspective, you're right. They start to change the way they think. They start to be more conscious of what they're thinking and their actions and, and they become more present to what is and what's showing up and how to read those signs. And, and it's just that simple, it's a, it, you know, it starts for my son. It was just really fascinating to go, wow, here they are in his fifth grade. He's in ninth grade now in fifth grade, mm -hmm. they started teaching them mindset. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, that's, that's going to make a difference to these, these fifth graders five, five, five or six years from now, you know, it's going to change. And, and slowly that's happening. I, I wish it could happen faster, but you know, we have to be patient. This, mm -hmm. this time moves very slowly, you know? I know. Everything else is moving very quickly, and this is not. But there are so many reasons. Again, um, I look at it, there are political reasons why this doesn't move in education, because education is, we know, an inst a particular institution, just like the farm, big pharma. And so, um, yeah, it's all part of the... It's all part of the... Um, institution let's just call it like yes yeah. <laughs> uh, and institutions institutions um, are always the, the, the glass behind um, sorry i want to ask the audience if they have any questions and then i do i too have a question because i want to hear what you like what's next now i know you probably have to go i'm assuming you have to go put everything together and start editing all of this and there's a lot of work to be done right now so i'd like can't wait to hear about that. Uh, but I do want to turn this over to anybody out there right now. If anyone has a question for Betsy, now's the time to either type it in or call it in. If you have a headset, you can call. Otherwise, uh, just type in your question. Because we do have quite a number of people here that are leaving comments. I don't know if you can see that, Betsy. I do see that. A lot of people are leaving comments. Um... Thomas said, Betsy, you're spot on. I don't know what I was spot on about, but thanks, Thomas. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, you're, you know, what? it's going to take me a year. Talk about moving slowly. Um, <clears throat> I think people with the, in, ad, you know, the big blow up of places like TikTok and YouTube, I think people sometimes think that these shows, it's so easy to throw these shows together in like a month, but mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> this will take, the Galileo project will take me a year to complete. Um, and it, so I'm hoping it'll come out, it should come out some, probably sometime this time next year. Mm -hmm. um, the energy healing series took almost a year to put together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I, I, I take my time because I want 
everything to be really thoughtfully put together because my purpose is, you know, it's, I want it to have an impact. And exactly. so it's, it usually, it usually takes, you know, we've interviewed probably 15 people so far and uh, we'll have, when you do a project like this, we'll end up with somewhere between 80, 50 to 80 hours of interview footage that we have to edit down wow. into some sort of cohesive. It's going to, again, it'll be a five-part docuseries. I kind of like the five-part docuseries mm-hmm. method for some reason. It seems mm-hmm. to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're going to go, you know, through different topics. And so it'll, t- it'll take some time. Um, let's see. Mm-hmm. I'm so, the Northern... Minority Poverty Law Center says, we have to let life interpret itself, not interject what we think. Several years ago, science was able to narrow the language of our pure DNA to an ancient Middle Eastern script. Now we know the exact language and script used. Now that's real progress. Yeah, um, you know, one of the things that I hope to see happen more, and it it, it is a little bit, but we don't talk about it, and um, is that there's a lot of really amazing research going on. Um, a lot of the scientists, we, I interviewed a really amazing neuroscientist. Her name is Marjorie Woolacott. You know, she was, uh, I don't think she was the dean, but she was, a, she was one of the professors or she was the dean of the School of Neuroscience at the University of, of Oregon. It took her 25 years to come out of the closet to start to be able to speak out loud her own research that the conscious is not confined to the brain because in the neuroscience world you're weak-minded or you're not a very good neuroscientist if you say anything other than consciousness is a byproduct of the brain right so it took her 25 years to have the courage to come out and speak about this and i hope that we can change that 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 scientists can say you know what I think this is happening and look at this phenomenon and let's really look and what that's called is materialism versus post-materialism. So materialism science says it has to be, if I see it, smell it, touch it, it's mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. Post-materialism looks at near-death experiences, looks at all these quote anomalies and says, how do we study those in a way that still is as rigorous that the scientific method wants us to be, but allows for us to really examine and discuss in open circles, these uh, quote anomalies. So that would be a great shift. So the note troll says, does your doc have anything to do with the Avi Leo Galileo project? No, it does not. Um, uh, it does not, uh, we're actually gonna leave for the first season anyway, uh, aliens alone, because a lot of people are doing stuff on aliens. Um, they just, uh, they have their thing called the Galileo project. And, Oftentimes when I mention this, people go look that up, which is cool because it's a cool project. So I I hope they're getting a lot of buzz too. But no, it doesn't. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Um, We're focusing on human abilities. like, And and also we're really having a conversation in the Galileo Project about what is reality Mm -hmm. and and what is this. Because there's so much. We, we, We talked to somebody like Tom Campbell who has a really fascinating studies that he's doing on what is reality, you know, and he, he talks about it from the perspective of the holographic universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking at those, like those kinds of things. And, and all of the scientists that we talk to really start are starting to show that, that there's different levels of consciousness 
and that here in this reality, we're on a certain, we are at a certain level, but there's other levels. If you want to think of it, people, we have to make things linear. So if you want to think of it as above, that there are higher levels of consciousness mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that we're going to reach. And that basically Dr. Sue Mortar in the energy healing series that I did said it so beautifully. She's like, there's this vastness of consciousness. And then we slowly filter down into this reality. And that's why we have, you know, that's why we have a brain. Our brain is actually a computer that, that consciousness works through. And we, it, we have all these filters, which is why we can't, why we have to work so hard to tap into like your, your abilities that you have so beautifully, Ellie. Most of us have to work really hard to do that because our filters have been put in place. Now we don't know why we have these filters. Why, why should we, but this is how this reality is operating. Yeah, yeah. You know, talking about um, consciousness right now, again, I have to share another personal story. Last night, I had a dream about a friend of mine whom I haven't uh, spoken to in a few months. So the dream was very interesting. So I sent him an email this morning and I said, I had a dream about you last night. And so I'm reaching out and saying hi. And the response back was big letters, O-M-G. I dreamt about you last night also. Isn't that wild? Wow. And and I'm like, no, I I didn't say that. (laughs) I'm like, no, it's not wild. It's just um, consciousness. And, but, you know, again, we're in a different state now, now in the, in a deeper sleep state, it's so much easier to, to work with the consciousness because all the filters are, are gone. And so it was exactly fascinating just fascinating and that happens if people would just take like i always tell people now just like do you know just spend a day looking for the synchronicities Mm -hmm. just for Mm -hmm. fun Mm -hmm. just you know and and it's so amazing when you just start to play that game a little bit Mm -hmm. you start to go oh my gosh like this happened this happened this happened this happened that's how did that all happen and that that's just your own ability to to start to play with the field a little bit to Mm -hmm. play with what's going on quote outside of you um and dreams are great we talk about dreams in the galileo project because you know people have typically said oh dreams are just a way to like organize things in your brain and it's just kind of like it's not a big deal it's this sort of you know um like um you're just hallucinating. It's not really, sometimes there's not really very many messages in there. Like if your body is stressed, you might have a bad dream. They try to really minimize it. But the truth is if you can intentionally dream mm-hmm. and you can lay down, like every night when I go to sleep, I lay down and I say, okay, I would really love to have a better understanding of this situation or, mm-hmm. or I would really love to have some ideas about how to tell this part of my documentary or whatever I'm working on. And I lay down and I intentionally focus on that and do meditation as I go to sleep. I can wake up in the morning or sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll wake up and I don't want, I have a recorder. I don't have a notepad because I learned that if I wake up in the middle of the night, write something down, I can never read what I wrote in the morning. Mm. Um, so I record it. it it's a gr- like, I'll get great ideas and like, mm. ah, I had this happen. I was trying to, I was in, I had to film in Princeton and I was hoping to film at the university, but they were just so expensive. And so I was like, gosh, what am I going to do? And I, every day at around two thirty, three o'clock, I try to lay down for like 20 minutes and just 
meditate or just take a minute. So mm -hmm. I laid down and I said, I really, I need to find a place to film in Princeton. And so I just laid down and in my meditation, this picture came up of a house with a ginormous stone fireplace. And mm -hmm. if anybody saw what the bleep, you know, I put Dr. Joe in front of his, this fireplace where I interviewed him and the fire was raging and it was, you know, became a very popular sequence. And so I, mm -hmm. in the meditation, I saw the fire was going and it was this sort of wooden kind of like, looks like a little bit like a lodge. So I, and it said, you know, get an Airbnb. So I came, I literally come downstairs, I log into Airbnb, I type in Princeton, Princeton, and the first house to show up was exactly this picture. Mm -hmm. Boom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There you go. I was like, well, problem solved. You mm -hmm. know, within mm -hmm. 25 minutes that I had rented that place and it was ta all taken care of. Yeah, and that's that, just how it works. I know. And I love it when it works like that, you know, and as we're talking about this now, I just want to um, stick in here. Dr. Joseph Murphy back in the 1920s, 30s, 50s, you know, he, he was a student also of Emile Coué, remember him? Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people then, Jose Silva learned from Emile Coué's system. He developed Silva Mind, again, tapping into the you know, again, creative visualization, Shakti, Dwayne White, Wayne Dyer got there, you know, they learned from Silva, Tony Robbins, yada, yada. But going back to the dream state, I remember that um, Robert Louis Stevenson would get his plots by going to sleep at night and asking his subconscious for the story that he wanted to have. And that was the same thing that happened with James Cameron, with Avatar. Yep. It came right yep. through the dream. And... Um, we find that our the dream programming ourselves before sleep programming the subconscious to allow it to tap into the let's call it the universal consciousness the, the big hologram i don't know the big yeah, thing yeah. In the, yeah. <laughs> tap exactly. in there tap in there and you will get your answers if you continue to do so you know you just can't go to sleep and then expect the answer to come to, immediately sometimes it comes during the day uh, you just like boom you may be in the shower and the answer will hit you so you just have to keep looking for it you got to have your your reticular activating system focused on receiving an answer mm -hmm. you know it's interesting it's just it's like it's we open our computers we have it programmed to operate a certain way. We know where everything is on the computer. I mean, actually, most of the time I get a little lost because I'm overwhelmed sometimes, but I'm not very organized on my computer. But if we, for me, the same, it's like this, I treat my brain like I would treat my computer. You know, it's the same, it's the same operating system. So there's a question. If you had enough evidence to prove that your our brain has neurodampening cranial lock and we found the key one passage of text, how would that change your life? And how would you work to restoring the key, if at all? Well, I think that's what we're literally talking about. I think the, the, the key is to start doing the practices because it's like a muscle. The brain is a muscle and it's been running this program for however long you've been in existence, which is why I think Ellie and I were talking about the kids. You know, when you can get to the little ones and you can say, hey, don't lock that particular room and you keep the room open, it's a lot easier. But for the older we get, the, we have to do more practice uh, and trust more. You know, like when we were teaching Heather, 
you know, we took mm-hmm. uh, Heather's the host for my series and we took her to Ellie. Uh, and, you know, she did pretty good for her first try, right? You know, because mm-hmm. she was open to trying. So she did mm-hmm. a pretty good job. Now, if that's all she ever did, that's all she'd ever be capable of. But if she did that practice that you gave her every single day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's unlocking the door. And that's that's the difference, I think, that a lot of people expect it to be quick magic. You have to reprogram the brain. That's why, for instance, in NDEs, it's it's fascinating. People will have a near-death experience and they'll come back and immediately have access. And the joke that I always say, it's like, well, they, they unplugged and plugged it back in, right? Mm-hmm. So they rebooted mm-hmm. the system, which is why when they wake up, they, they can say, oh, my God, I have these abilities. I can see these things. I can hear these things. It's because mm-hmm. they rebooted the system. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're do, when you're doing the practice daily, you're doing a slow reboot. Mm-hmm. So I hope mm-hmm. that answers the northern guy's or gentle lady's <laughs> question. <laughs> the poverty law center. And I, I'm going to just add on two things that I have discovered in my work with this in this realm. And that is that there are two, two I, I don't know if you want to call them dominant thoughts in every with every single person that I have ever run into that basically um, impede the ability to access this realm successfully. And those two thoughts are this concern with, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Is this okay? Am I good enough? And there are different ways that we phrase this. Okay. We, you know, like, am I good enough? Am I going to get it right? And we have different language around this. Am I good enough? Um, it comes into the form of looking good. Am I good enough? Am I going to get it? And then the self doubt, it's all part of the same mental concept. And then the second question is about being loved, you know, like this, this, like, if I do this, will they love me or will I be not loved? Will I be shunned? Okay. If I don't do this, you know, am I, again, am I good enough? And will anybody love me? Those are like these two questions that seem to be in everyone's consciousness, almost as if, if we could pull those two questions out, like, am I good enough? Yeah, you're good enough. You're great enough to do this. Now just pull that, <laughs> right. pull that, pull that thought out. And then all of a sudden the human becomes so empowered, like, yeah, I can do this. But that, that it's almost as if there's like an implant somehow in the brain that is holding us back because of this doubt. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Will anybody love me? Uh, those two things, remove them. Maybe those get removed in near-death experiences. I have no idea. But with those well, gone, people become yeah. literally superhuman. Well, and it's because, like, I don't know. I have a strange philosophy, which is that that's – so this is the plane of experience. This is what I think. Here we are. We've been, It's like we're a little bit in Logan's run, so to speak. You know, we're dropped into this really bizarre reality and said, okay – we're going to take away almost all of your abilities. You can get them back, but you have to figure out how to get them back. Go. And we're going to start you out in this little helpless little blob of a being. And you've got to grow. And as you grow, you're going to figure it out. And it's like, it's crazy. It's like a video game, right? It's, I mean, that's the way I look at it sometimes. Sometimes I wake up and I go, okay, I, I get to play again. You know, I still haven't figured it out. And I think the biggest, it's like the biggest secret is, and the joke that's been played on us is that we, we go through a big chunk of our life in fear. 
fear mm-hmm. of not enough, fear of mm-hmm. not being loved, mm-hmm. fear of not having enough, fear of survival. Mm-hmm. And once we figure out, oh, we don't have to have that fear. Everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we can start doing these other things. But that's sort of the that's sort of the trick of this reality, so to speak. The way I that's the mm-hmm. way I look at it. It's mm-hmm. like, well, this is this is the game that you're supposed to be playing here. And once you figure that out, you're gonna guess what? You'll probably get to go to another level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But you're yeah. absolutely right. We are all about fear and and not enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. Some, the Northern Poverty Law person said the video game analogy. You know, you should go check out Thomas Campbell's work. He's a quantum physicist. Really interesting. He's got a book and some and a bunch of YouTube videos. He explains this. This is what I love. I don't know how this happened to, that it was me to pick up to do this, Ellie. But I, I'm like some, you know, I'm just like a, a valley girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know. I, I don't know how I ended up being able to talk to these people and have the and, and do this right but he explains this reality so well and it makes so much sense um I was so excited to interview him for that reason but he he really makes it simple it's not even hard to to rock once you once he explains it you're like oh and if for me I think that's part of what I like. It's like when I can understand, like, I don't know, my brain has to be able to understand a concept. And once I can really understand it, then I can use it and move through with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. When, when I really understood what the nature of this reality was, the, it almost unlocked those superhuman powers to be able to maneuver through it mm-hmm. with much with, with more ease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So let's have people check out Tom. It's Tom or Thomas Campbell. C A M. Yeah. C A M P B E L L. Yeah. Yeah. He's really interesting. And then of course, you know, there's tons of cool research out there. And then the energy healing series, we have a bunch of really interesting scientists in that, that people can go and right. learn. Give from. me, give the, give me the, it's on YouTube, but to call it's yeah. called bliss up now is the name of the channel okay so if you just type in, in up now mm-hmm. yeah you'll you'll be able to find the series and there's or if you go to my youtube channel it's on there as well you can see it mm-hmm. i've linked it there so mm-hmm. um it, i think that's the goal i mean i think that's what we've been talking about this what you and i always say like what we can't wait for the day what did you say? You said it was such a great quote. You said, you, I can't wait for the day when we can talk about people's psychic abilities. Uh, about we talk about the weather. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what you said. And I was like, that's exactly right. And these kinds of things, like what you're doing and with your books and then with my shows, that's kind of what we're trying to do. Yeah. I'm going to talk about psi abilities the way other people talk about the weather. And with that being said, Betsy, I thank you so much for being here. And Thank I'm going you. to put all the links into the um, into the podcast thing and then onto the YouTube channel. And then I will link you. And so anybody listening now or in the future will be able to find anything and everything um, about what we spoke about today. So I want to thank, thank everyone here uh, for being a part of our show and listening and contributing. And Betsy, special, special thank you and much love. And I can't wait to continue watching Bliss Up, the Galileo Project. And um, yeah, what's next? Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, love. All right. You take care. Thanks. Be well, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Have a magical week. Ciao. Bye.